This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. I had not heard of you until I'd interviewed your wife, Rachel, who wrote that amazing book, Occult Feminism. And then it turns out that you've got your own channel. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's kind of interesting how this played out. I actually got into this uh, line of work by total accident, and so did she. Uh, I had no aims whatsoever of being an internet personality um, and didn't really want anything to do with it. I was a part of an internet forum, an old internet forum. It was using like that old, um, you know, like the 2000s message board stuff, right? Where you like, you put in a, an argument, you're like, ah, stupid leftist. And then the guy underneath is like, no, you're stupid. You know what I mean? And you just see this big, long thread. <laughs> it was one of those kinds of message boards. So anyway, I was, a, I was a member of this stupid site for years. And um, the guy who owned it, he was dying. And he said, you know, I, I don't want this message board to die off. Um, so I bought it from him. And I went, you know, maybe maybe I can incentivize some new people to come in. So I went to Facebook uh, and I started to advertise it. And one of the political groups I was advertising in was a heavy leftist political group. So one night I go in and there's these four leftists in this trash show called Table Talk. Right. And they're all shitting on Donald Trump. And I'm listening to them. Right. They have, you know, all of four live viewers, you know, in this little Facebook group. So it's just the four people trashing Trump and no, no listeners except me in the audience, you know, and I said, why don't you let me on this panel? You know, you bastards. Why don't you let me on there real quick? So they do. So they let me on and I just trashed them all. Right. Trashed them all, humiliated them, made them look stupid. Two nights later, there was so many people who went and watched that video when they put it out that they actually asked me to come back to give them a good trashing again. So I did. <laughs> and then uh, a couple nights later, they asked me to come back and give them a trashing again. And I did that again. And before you know it, there was other people who wanted to come on these panels and challenge me. And then uh, they had started a YouTube channel. I was part of that for about a year. That really blew up. And then I went off and made The Crucible. And The Crucible was designed for uh, live debates, which I host all the time, but also live commentary. And I do a specific show called Lunatics on the Internet and another one called the Trash Talk Extravaganza, where I pick the craziest streamers who are in existence and just trash the shit out of them. And they deserve every <laughs> bit of it. <laughs> and you, you told me earlier that you actually, by trade, or what did you say, a robotics engineer? Yeah, that's correct. By trade. Yep. So um, I worked as a... Um, maintenance mechanic, and then I was apprenticed under a roboticist, and then I ended up working on robotics mechanic uh, as a robotics mechanic, and then uh, was hired on as a robotics engineer shortly after that. So I'm uh, like my wife, I'm an Orthodox Christian, uh, but Christianity has always informed my perception of the world. I, I find that uh, Christianity globally, regardless of denomination, uh, but specifically, the more organized churches are under vicious attack from secularists in a way that is new to me in my lifetime. This did not used to be a problem even when I was growing up. Uh, these kind of these values were just not even really thought about. We took them for granted, uh, but they have been systematically becoming eroded by the leftist progressive machine. Um, so what my job is, is I represent the pushback, the common guy. The, the blue collar worker who they pretend is so stupid and so knuckle dragging that they can't make good arguments or don't understand philosophy and don't understand debate. 
uh, I represent those people. I'm their right hand and I get to clock these people in the jaw on their behalf uh, who make their life miserable. So if you want to know what informs my worldview, it's 100% Christianity. Are you what Hillary Clinton describes as a deplorable? No, I'm much worse than that. <laughs> much, much, much worse than that. The deplorables got nothing on us. Um, we're absolutely awful. We go and we take on the twitch poll communist, socialist, and the vicious left-wing progressivist degenerates everywhere that they exist. We go into their spaces, go on their pro uh, programs. We go where they are. So proverbially, what the Crucible does is it's uh, morphed into an organization full of right-wing Christians who will go and plop their balls on your table, as it were, and say, let's just have it out right here on your program. Um, and that's what we do. So everywhere that there are progressives, you will see us there pushing back against their messaging in a desperate bid to try to slow down the secularism of planet Earth. When you talk about right-wing Christian, what is it that you mean? Well, so <clears throat> when you talk about a right-left paradigm, the paradigm is different. Every nation on planet Earth is different with this paradigm. However, conservatism is always essentially going to be the same, and so is progressivism. Conservatism is a bid to conserve your culture and your cultural values and the things that you, that um, have uplifted your society, kept your society intact. The glue. Let's call it the glue. And that's what the conservation is supposed to be. Progressivism, on the other hand, is a rejection of that. And what progressivism is really marching towards is the elimination of this cultural glue. The reason they want it eliminated is so that they can institute transhuman values. So they think that the nature of humanity itself uh, is rotten to the core and that we need to kind of elevate ourselves past our nature. The Christian viewpoint, on the other hand, is the opposite of that. We believe in theosis. We don't think that humans, by their very nature, are evil or anything like that, just that they are susceptible to the evils of the world like everybody else is. What we're trying to conserve, not just cultural conservation, but the ultimate conservation, which is Christianity. This is a uh, very old religion. And the Orthodox Church, of course, as the original Christians, um, of course, we're trying to conserve this. So the conservation of values is what conservatism is supposed to be about. And I think globally, everywhere you really see any type of two-party system or even a multi-party system, there's always going to be what's called the traditionalists or something like this. Well, those are really the conservatives. They're trying to hold some kind of cultural glue together that binds the society. And progressives are usually trying to destroy that. Have conservatives conserved anything? No. The answer is no. The, the pro, Some places in the world, yes. But ultimately, no. Conservatives have not been able to um, hold the line very effectively. The United States, the reason that this is the case is because of our U.S. Constitution being based on Enlightenment value structures. So essentially, it was a progressive document to begin with. And be, due to the fact that it could be amended and changed depending on the whims of society, it was very easy for there to be a cultural infiltration by progressives. And the cultural infiltration happened over this, uh, the span of about 200 years. And we're seeing all of the fruits of that infiltration now. 
And no, we are not uh, able currently to stop this. And we're not going to be in my generation or even the next generation. But there is hope that we can. I think it was Michael Malice who said that uh, conservatism is progressivism going the speed limit. I think that uh, so Malice is a big libertarian. OK, but I think that he's right in the sense that if you look at the right left paradigm in the United States, that most of the conservative party and Republican Party are phonies. They are the progressives of just 10 or 20 years ago. If you want to see real conservatism, uh, that's usually branded as some kind of outlandish ideology uh, or domestic terrorism or, you know, inter whatever, whatever you want to brand it as here. But what it really is, is just a conscientious effort to try to have grounding moral ethics and cultural glue, which holds society together. Some people think and move along racial lines uh, in order to do that. And that's been an abysmal failure. Far better to find the underpinning cultural glue, which in this case, all I believe and most philosophers have always believed that culture does inform politics. But what informs culture? It's theology. Theology informs every culture on planet Earth and is the roots of all cultural glue. So the further you stray away from the origin of your own theology, your culture's theology, the more you find progressivism wins. So just for clarity, what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, well, to, <laughs> oh man, uh, I think that kind of we can use a just loose definition for the purpose of the conversation. Somebody who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and uh, by works and by deed um, and by faith uh, tries to fulfill his message to the world. So I think that just kind of for a loose definition because of the difference in denominations, Catholicism and um, uh, you know orthodoxy, I think that that would probably suffice. Most people would probably agree that that's true in basically every denomination to a degree. Do you think that the implosion of society around us is tightly correlated to an increase in atheism. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you, and I can explain why. Christians have a grounding for ethics. We use divine command. So we have something which we can relay to everybody that's universalized. We always know everywhere on planet Earth that it's always wrong to murder, that it's always wrong to steal, that it's always wrong to do X, Y, and Z. Secularists, on the other hand, take the opposite approach, where they believe that all ethics and morals are tied specifically to just cultures in which they originate. So they cannot be universalized. Every single culture needs to be judged separately, in other words. Christians brought universal ethics to all four corners of the world. And uh, through, univer uh, through universalizing ethical standards, um, you see societies become extremely cohesive. However, well, once those break down, you end up with uh, cultures which begin to literally slaughter each other in the streets. But do you think atheism actually can exist? It can exist as long as there is a theological grounding that allows it to exist. But atheism can't make any ought claims. So, so atheism can only tell you descriptive ises. They utilize scientism, and scientism is the utilization of what is. It's a descriptive claim only. It cannot make claims for ought. Science cannot tell you what you ought to do. It can only give you descriptions of how something exists and works. So how do we f figure out what people should do? 
this becomes the the great question. How do we know what you are supposed to do? I think a variation of my question is, isn't atheism just a sham? I mean, everybody believes in something. Yeah, well, atheism and scientism and all of this takes as much faith as Christianity. Yes, of course. You still have to have faith. <laughs> you have to have faith just in uh, epistemology existing that you and I are having the conversation right now. That that actually has a prerequisite of faith that you believe that that's going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes, all of these are faith-based um, exchanges. And atheists and secularists who are honest or who study philosophy will actually agree that this is true. In fact, many secularists and atheists who move over to the right-wing ideology do emphatically state that they would much rather live inside of Christian societies than the alternative, even if they don't believe in the Christian God, because of how much better the society ends up becoming with that type of moral grounding. What impact has feminism and women's liberation had on what we're seeing today? Uh, well, it's a breakdown. So let me, let me kind of start from the beginning and try to explain the concept the best that I know how. Rights themselves, the idea of rights, are an illusion. There is no such thing actually as a right. Um, I have been open for correction on this, willing to engage in anybody who wanted to debate this topic, and thus far, nobody has been able to actually demonstrate a right. You can't taste it, smell it, touch it, nothing like this. So it seems to me that rights really come down to enforcement. Really, if you can enforce it, it becomes a right, and absent enforcement, what right do you have? It seems like you have none. What's happened with feminism, which is the most interesting, is that they take the idea of enforcement, which is that men are the ones who give rights to other men, and men are also the ones who give rights to women. This is universalized because of the unequal nature of force. So what's very interesting is that what feminism kind of postulates is that force uh, can be equalized between the sexes, and so the sexes should be equal. But the truth of the matter is, is that the opposite is true. Force can't be equalized, and, and women rely on men to be the guarantors of their rights, be it through the force of arms in the military, police force, something like this. So they're already unequal in society, at least as far as that goes. Are men and women equal then becomes the fundamental question. I don't see how they could be, nor do I see how you're not always going to operate within a patriarchal system unless women could somehow come up with the mechanism to enforce their own rights, which they can't do. Therefore, the default has always been historically patriarchy because there's no other way to exist. Feminism has eroded patriarchy, not into matriarchy, but into egalitarianism. And when we see that we have these egalitarian functions, they don't actually work because women end up working in the same type of domestic jobs that they worked in even when the patriarchy was in charge. Service, nursing, things like this, they're still not building roads, the ro but road jobs are available to them. They're not inside of combat arms in the military, though those jobs are available. They're not building the infrastructure. They're not building the power lines. They're not building the grids. They're not doing any of these jobs. And the question then becomes, are they not doing these jobs because there just hasn't been enough egalitarianism? Or are they not doing these jobs because they physically are not able to? And I think that the answer is very clear at this point. They physically cannot do these things. And so to pretend that we live inside of an egalitarian system where men and women are equal seems silly to me. Now, does this mean that women should be mistreated or abused or brutalized by the evil patriarchy? No, the patriarchy seems to value women. 
significantly. They're the child bearers. They kind of don't even want them to work, right? They want them to kind of have nice pampered lives at home while the men go and take care of all the hard jobs and all of this. Feminism seemingly has been a pushback against, and I hesitate to use the word natural, but rather the default order of things, which is the patriarchal nature that you find yourself living in at all times, in all places in the world, through all of history. Uh, so yes, it is an erosion to the patriarchal function. But Andrew, if it weren't for feminism, women wouldn't have been able to get jobs like pilots or doctors. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> whatever will we do? I mean, <laughs> the thing is funny is, um, the, the jobs, which they're still doing now, have never been barred from women to begin with. Women could always be doctors. They were always nurses. They were always in medical fields. They were always teachers. They were always secretaries. They were always in service work. Always. None of that has changed. In fact, they still stay inside of those fields and jobs. Now, you can point to a few outliers and say, wait a second. Well, women wouldn't be able to fly, but well, let's go back and take a look. Would would they have? Who was Amelia Earhart? It seemed like she flew, and this was pre-women's liberation to a vast degree, right? Many, every time you look for these examples in history, you find their contrary exists. It's not that exceptional women don't exist who can do some of the things that men can do. They do. But we should treat society as a holistic uh, instead of as these kind of individualized pieces and look at the whole. And on the whole, on, on the average, women can't do these things. It's absurd to even believe that they can. And if they're honest, and when I get them to be honest on air, they essentially concede that that's true. But they want the mighty fiction to continue. They want people to act as though they can. Somebody like Cleopatra or Margaret Thatcher, they would be the outliers. Yeah, of course. There's always outliers to to everything. There are There's always going to be exceptional women. And some of them are going to end up in leadership roles and the patriarchy is not even necessarily against that. It's just saying to embrace the, what is actually true. And what is actually true is that women and men do not have an equalization on force. They can't actually be equal. And women will always rely on men for that equalization. And since that's true, why shouldn't we be in charge? I mean, we kind of have to be, don't we? And at the end of the day, every feminist eventually becomes a pigtailed uh, damsel in distress when the house is burning. Every time, right? Well, it's one thing to say that you're a, yeah, I'm a strong woman. Look at me. I'm about to go do some strong woman stuff. And then, of course, when it comes down to it, uh, such as I, I had an interview with a gal named Allie, who is a fairly popular YouTube personality. And uh, she was explaining in the military, um, she was a combat medic in the military. But she said that the women who were there, uh, they could not drag the men. They couldn't do it. So she was always thinking and they would have these discussions like, what if we we're out in the field and one of these dudes gets shot and our job is to drag him out? Like, we can't physically do this. Right. And so you're right. When the catastrophe hits, uh, all the feminists suddenly say, we're all Domendo. Where are all these men at to help us? Help me. Help me. Oh, my God. We don't know what we're supposed to do because the entirety of society, the infrastructure, everything's maintained and built by men. And it does take an actual physical strength to do these things. And it's like uh, too many Marvel movies with these 110 pound chicks in tight skin, tight leather uh, doing ninjutsu on 300 pound guys and throwing them across the room, I think, has really skewed the expectation that the average woman has um, when it comes to the strength dynamic between men and women.
But we're living in 2023, Andrew. Barbie. This is the. This is what we. <laughs> this is where we have arrived. <laughs> Genital free Barbie. Yes. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. And the thing that's so funny about it is, you're starting to see a shift in the propaganda. And you're going to see more of a shift in the propaganda as Zoomers begin to take over uh, different functions in society, especially 10 years from now. Uh, but many of them seem very pissed off about this. And they seem to, many Zoomers actually do seem to enjoy and understand that, hey, wait a second, this egalitarian stuff really sucks. It sucks a lot. We're not all made equal. Okay. No, you can't do these things. No, you're not a woman. Okay, just because you cut off the, uh, you know, certain parts of your body doesn't suddenly make you the thing that you want to be, right? These are all kind of descriptive claims on reality. And uh, as egalitarianism has to meet reality, it seems like egalitarianism is going to necessarily have to shift to meet reality because um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, but this is the kind of way that political messaging goes. Everybody wants to co-opt anything that becomes socially popular uh, to kind of reinforce their own messaging. The truth is, is that Barbie is not a movie you should have seen because Barbie's for fucking girls. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to swear. You can edit that out, I hope. But Barbie's for girls. What are you going to watch him Barbie for to begin with, right? That's <laughs> shouldn't you just not watch it? <laughs> they made GI Joe. Go watch GI Joe. That's for boys. <laughs> um, but Andrew, uh, women's liberation and feminism brought about the vote for for women. Yeah, it's a disastrous consequence as women often and almost exclusively vote for enhanced security at uh, the expense of freedom. Almost every single time uh, this has been disastrous for us. And women didn't even want the right to vote to begin with. The anti-suffragettes uh, far outnumbered the suffragettes. And it was a group of elite men who funded the entire thing. And the truth is, is it's not just that women shouldn't shouldn't vote it's that most men probably shouldn't vote either most people across the board should not vote they're not intelligent enough to vote uh including the intellectual elite most people uh do very very poorly intuitively when they're voting they don't do very well they vote for bad systems they vote for essentially the reason for this is because of um once people kind of figure out that they can vote themselves whatever they want from the treasury They'll do that. And why wouldn't they do that? If I can vote myself your money and keep my money, why wouldn't I do that? It gives a perverse incentive, right? And this is across the board. And so you you kind of will see the voting patterns uh, kind of take suit uh, with that form of government. And what ends up happening is the treasury is then spent on the most absurd things you can think of. We need to spend more money on studying uh, whether or not homosexuals got the COVID vaccine fast enough, you know what I mean? Or we need to study cow farts for global war. You know what I mean? They can literally vote themselves whatever they want from the public trough. And this is a huge downside to democracy and having a republic to begin with. So I think kind of as you take an evaluation standard of this, you start to recognize what you should have is something more akin to stakeholder voting. People actually have a stake in the game being allowed to then vote how the game is played and people who don't have a stake, not able to vote themselves your money. 
That's insane to me that people get to vote themselves your money, everything you worked for. They could just give that to themselves uh, through through this uh, mechanism. And that's that's uh, never the way that it was set up in the United States to begin with. But that's what it's become. OK, but then how important are gender roles? And I'm asking that now because we we've we've reached the year 2023 and I can't believe it. But the question, what is a woman is now being asked? <laughs> Yeah. So uh, gender, let me just, uh, I'll kind of deconstruct this for you a little bit too. Um, Gender doesn't exist. This is a made up construction by social progressives. And let me explain what I mean by this. When you ask the average person about gender, they think sex. They don't think about gender. They think about sex. So here's an example. Go back and play like 1980s video games on the Commodore. (laughs) Right. And, you know, or, or 1990s RPGs, you know, and it'll say select your gender. Well, it's not asking you to select a purple haired non-binary fruit loop. Right. It's asking you to select male, female. But they use the word gender interchangeably with the word sex. So when people respond to these different pollsters and whatnot calling and saying, do you have any problem uh, with gender roles or sex roles? And people are like, no, they, they are actually conflating this with male, female. Not this construction of gender, which exists right now through social universities and psychotherapists who claim that how you feel on the inside is externalized into a brand new type of human. And this is gender. Uh, The truth is there's only two base sexes and there only can be because of small and large gamete production. So men have small gamete production and women have large gamete production or ova. There's only two sexes and there only can be. Because that is true, the vast, overwhelming majority of people will always be confined to their biology. There's some outliers of possibly dozens of intersex people who exist, not that many of them either, who you might be able to make some kind of different claim about. But they're so insignificantly small that who gives a shit? Everyone is trapped to the confines of their biology. So when you say gender role, what you're really asking is, are women confined by their sex and their sex makeup and their sex characteristics? Yes. Are men confined to that too? Yes. So are the roles always going to repeat no matter what, like a broken record over and over and over and over and over? The answer is yes, because it can't not work that way. They're always going to be confined to what you would consider their gender role because you would have to, to, um, literally exit the limitations of your own biology in order to not be limited by them. So your wife, if your wife uh, um, relies on you to protect her at night, if you're the guy who has to answer the door with a shotgun because she's going to stay in the room with the kids, then you get the big piece of chicken, dude. Okay. That's how that works. All right. That's how that works. You, if you, <laughs> and that's, that's how it'll always work. It's like, I want that big piece of chicken. I want that big piece of chicken. That's right. <laughs> the kids get the smallest pieces, the wife, the second biggest, and you get the big, you know, and it's always got to be the most delicious looking leg, right? That's how it goes. You get the big piece of chicken. So, um, and there's, there's no real way around this because if you're going to really divide up duties correctly, if your duty is to die first, then their duty is to feed you best, to take care of you best. Right. 
so so yeah, you can't you can't really externalize outside of your own sex because it's not possible to do. The problem with thinking like that or accepting that reality is that it doesn't seem fair. That's right. That's what they'll say. This seems like it's fundamentally unfair. The problem, this is the problem with transhumanism to begin with. Well, is it fair that men can't have children? And what do we do to stop that unfairness? Well, there's nothing we can do because men can't have children and they're never going to be able to have children. So we kind of just accept this descriptive is of reality. The description of men can't have children, men accept that this is true, right? Women can have children and they're the gatekeepers of sex and they're the gatekeepers of who gets to uh, breed, who gets to have the next generation. They get to pick which men are able to do that. So we're always going to be competing for women. Knowing that we're going to be competing for women is not some like dastardly evil thing. It's part of the nature of what men are and part of the nature of what women are. And when women let men lead, right, well, not let, they, they shouldn't really be able to stop it. But intuitively, if they wouldn't harp so much about it, bitch so much about it, this type of thing, you would see a radical shift in the dynamic for how men even treated women. And what's happened now, though, is that these systems have become highly eroded where women believe that they are uh, equal to men in some way, or certain sects of men believe that they're equal to women in some way. They're really just not. They're completely confined by their own sexual makeup, chemistry, hormones, brain waves, everything. They're they're as um, you know they're as like to each other as the moon and the sun. You know what I mean? And no, they're not different but equal. They're just different. And I think that until we can get to a place as a society where we can admit that that's true, I don't even know how you begin to work on the problems between the sexes. The problem is, though, is that a lot of men are absolute dickheads. <laughs> you ever heard, um, you ever heard there's this great type of Kung Fu, it's called What About Domendo? Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... When when your kung fu goes up against feminist kung fu, they always bust out the what about Domendo, right? Which is they kind of do the the chop motion and the whole nine yards. Uh, I, I think that kind of the easiest way to push back against that is like, well, I think the problem are women are bitches. Now what? All right. Uh, but the problem are men are dickhead. Well, the problem are women are bitches. Like which one is descriptively true or are they both true at the same time? You know what I mean? Is the problem that the, that there are men who are just absolute animals and jerks to women? Sure, there's some. And are there women who are absolute horrible human beings who will take a man for everything he has, leave him destitute in the gutter, and then spit on him on their way out the door? You bet your ass there are, right? So the thing is, is that from my perspective, that would be a typical feminist argument is that, you know, well, men are dickheads. But I think the counter of, well, women are bitches. What do you say to that? You know what I mean? Both are descriptively true in certain instances. So Yeah, just to add to your point, I interviewed somebody this week, a guy who spent four years in prison for a false rape accusation. Yeah. Yeah, this happens often. And remember that the court systems, and this is not confined to the United States, globally, uh, court systems are very confined to um, to this idea that men are kind of these barbaric, brute, criminal, lunatics, savages, and that women are kind of these perfect princess, no, no crime doing, you know what I mean? But then when you look at the domestic violence rates and you look at, 
at these types of things, you find out, wait a second, they're just as violent as men are, to be perfectly honest with you. On top of that, they get far lesser sentences for the same crimes that men commit. And this is a, a kind of a bias of the benevolence of men. As we kind of look at women as something to be protected and taken care of, uh, rather than hold them accountable like we used to when if they were, you know, doing witchcraft, we burned them at the stake like we did with male witches, right? But always the it's kind of the benevolence of men which allows this to happen to begin with. And do we get credit for this benevolence? Of course not. Uh, we don't get it from men or women, but we are naturally benevolent towards women. And I think that uh, that kind of this egalitarian shift proves that even though th if you had a matriarchy it would not be nearly as um, generous and kind to men as the patriarchy seems to be towards women. How has it come to be that men have become so feminized? Yeah. So there's a there's a multitude of reasons for this. One prime reason that this has happened is the drastic drop in male testosterone globally, which has been occurring for the last hundred years. It, this has lowered our aggression, our, uh, it's given us inhibitors, made us more prone to drugs and alcohol, made us more prone to propaganda, less prone to what I would call like um, almost a psychological defense mechanism, which high testosterone and aggressiveness is very, very good at psychological defense, and it's a great defense from propaganda. It helps you think better, clearer at all times, make better arguments, the whole nine yards. The drop in testosterone has been a major problem affecting the Western man. Huge issue. The second problem is the entrenchment of the propaganda, which happens at the institutional level starting at kindergarten for men and for women. And inside of this propaganda are all the rules for both sexes are the same. Everything is the same for both. The, uh, our schools are co-ed. Our sports teams are co-ed. We're all the same. It's all egalitarian. And it's just entrenched and beaten over a child's head over and over and over and over ad nauseum until you almost saying the opposite will give you a physical illness. Saying out loud, men and women aren't equal. Why, that's just there's pearl clutchers globally who hear that and just grab their pearls and they they ah god ah, they're not equal i can't how is that possible you know um and this is what happens with this kind of entrenchment mindset of propaganda where they're beaten over the head with it public school is a prime example Little kids like to beat the hell out of each other, especially little boys. They love it. When I was a kid, I liked doing that. I'd be more inclined at recess to go tackle a friend of mine while he's laughing his ass off, right? And then he gets me back later, you know, and I shove into the wall or something like that. And then we're laughing, ha, 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 because that's what we do. Men are jerks to each other. We love it. It's one of our favorite things. Now, by the way, this transcends culture. Doesn't matter what culture you go to. We like to engage this way with each other. We like to laugh at each other when a, a guy hurts himself. Uh, it's just as funny in Zimbabwe as it is in New York City. Okay. And there's nothing you're going to do to transcend that. It's just true. But inside of public schools, the rules are really set for women and not for men. The rough and tumble play, the way that we bond, those are all highly discouraged. Whereas the feminine ways of sit quietly with your hands folded and uh, don't be aggressive and everybody be nice and blah, blah, blah. Now you see him walking around with the gay Disney haircuts and acting uh, flamboyant and feminine. And it's really kind of instilled right out of the gate. 
Uh, many people now, interestingly enough, as Zoomers are coming past 18, 19, uh, 20 into these age groups, they're actually rediscovering masculinity. They were never even exposed to it. They were never. Can you imagine going your whole life and just never being exposed to masculinity? You have a single mom. Then you go to school where you're being taught by a woman in a class full of rules that are designed for women. Right. And so you wonder why they feel so out of place, why they feel like what's going on here. You know what I mean? And none of the ways that they would normally bond with each other are even acceptable. You know, uh, defending yourself isn't even acceptable. And so, yeah, this causes a cataclysm. It's a cataclysm on Western men. Yeah. You mentioned uh, homosexuality. It's been around a very long time, but what net effect has it had on society in your view? Yeah. So <clears throat> never underestimate a progressive and their value of moving the sun, the moon and the stars so that people can have gay butt sex because a progressive will do that. Whatever it takes, whatever militaries need to be conquered, no matter how many men need to die, men need to be able to have rigorous amounts of sex with each other, according to a progressive, right? And everybody, all of culture must stop for this to happen. This has been a, a huge calamity. Uh, it has eroded the social institution of marriage, which was always considered religious and a sacramental ceremony, not a secular ceremony that was designed for a courthouse to say, well, you're married. Uh, what does your oath even mean at that point? What does an oath even mean if the divorce rates are so high that the second there's a hardship in the marriage, you could just walk away from it from no fault divorce and these kinds of things? Why would you pollute a sacrament, a religious sacrament like this uh, with something which is abhorrent to the very religion that bore the marriage out to begin with? And that is what homosexuality has done. We also face a massive birth rate crisis in every single nation on planet Earth, with the exception of a few African nations and some Middle Eastern ones. But even those are beginning to drop. And you'll see this continuous drop happen uh, over time. Used to be they thought that the Earth's population would get up to 10 billion. Now they're estimating that China is going to lose half, half its population by the middle of the century. And Japan is slated to not exist in 200 years if their birth rate continues how it's going. The West is the same exact way. How do homosexuals help solve that problem? They can't breed. They rarely adopt. How is this beneficial for society to continuously promote this form of sexual degeneracy rather than try to promote instead a cohesive family unit between a man and a woman and children, which we desperately need. Why would you waste your time trying to pander to this small percentage of the population instead of really trying to look at the holistic of the population and, and uh, do what, what has the best results for everybody? Who cares about gay marriage? We need to waste our time and energy on whether or not men want to have gay sex. That for one thing, it's gross. And for, for another thing, it doesn't promote anything useful in society. So why is, why is it that the White House has multicolored rainbows all over it? That's not good for the public health. You know what I mean? Family and the family unit in a cohesive family unit, that's good for the public health. And uh, anything they can do to kind of denormalize that, which is why the push from progressives towards homosexuality, transgenderism, this type of thing is uh, is hitting the ground running so hard and has been for the last 30 years. It's a way to basically say all lifestyles are the same. All of them are equivalent. All of them are equal. There's no lifestyle better than another lifestyle. And that's all bullshit.
there clearly are. And, and clearly homosexuality should be discouraged. So are you telling me that homosexuality is a choice? It's not genetic. There has never been any proof ever from any scientific body on planet Earth that there is any gene which makes a human being a homosexual. And further, to demonstrate this even further, you can take examples like France after World War II where two-thirds of the men were completely decimated, right? And you would expect then, if it was genetic, that the homosexual percentage would be the same. And it wasn't. It wasn't. So the thing is, the other interesting part to this is you can actually see as the gay rights advocates came into play, you can watch on a graph as gay rights advocacy increased, so too did homosexuality because this is a propaganda-based sexual lifestyle. There is no proof that it is in any way, shape, or form genetic, and there's no proof or demonstration that you cannot get counseling and things like this to help you away from that type of degenerative sin. This whole transgender LGBTQ thing, it seems to have come out of nowhere in the last 20 years. I don't remember anything like it in the 90s. Do you? There was, um, but it was different. So it used to, there used to be like, um, do you remember the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yes. Okay, well, there's a bunch of drag queens, right, <laughs> inside that movie. And in the 70s, there were drag queens all over the place, and they were going to, like, these underground clubs and, uh, you know, doing whippets and getting AIDS and shit like that, right? That's what, that's what they were doing, the drag queens, uh, back then. Uh, throughout the 80s and 90s, there were still drag queens all over the place, but they essentially kept to themselves, and they understood what they were doing uh, was a form of sexual gratification on what is it called uh, autogynophilia I think or autogyna I don't remember what it's called but it's some some kind of um, internalized sexual gratification is why they dress up this way what happened with transgenderism is homosexuality um, they ran out of battles once it became clear that they were allowed to marry right where do you go from there there's nowhere to go to make them equal now right so they have to move to the next class. And now the next class is, of course, transgenders. And uh, now everything has to be even for transgender people, fair for the transgender people. They have to be able to use your wife's locker room and show her their penis or it's not equal, right? They must be able to do this. Uh, so as kind of the homosexual agenda stalled, you'll always find these victim groups do the same thing. They move to the next victim group. They're never going to run out of victim groups to move to. Once egalitarianism's finally achieved for transgenders, they'll just move to whatever the next, you know, maybe it'll be these people who dress up like furries or whatever the hell it is. Um, but they need to constantly be progressing to be progressives. And this is a global phenomenon. So any time you see one of these kind of outlier groups fighting for their rights, rest assured it'll become a global problem that you'll have to deal with. Thank you, United States politics. Uh, and once that's done, they'll just move to the next one and the next one and the next one. Now, you know that the stuff that you say would be deemed extreme or radical. Do you think it's just a shift in the Overton window, though? Um, I'm not sure anymore that the stuff I say would be deemed uh, <laughs> as radical except <laughs> by the progressive lefts. I think I think that most people who roll their sleeves up and they go outside 
and they work for a living or they go into a building and they work in a factory for a living or they do infrastructure or anything like that will listen to a message like the one I just gave and say, that guy's absolutely right about everything he just said. And I hate these people. I hate these people and I can't stand them and they make my life suck. <clears throat> now, would I be considered a radical lunatic by the powers that be, the kind of entrenched government powers that be? Yeah, I think I would, but this is because this is all run by progressive leftist crazies, right? So of course they're going to deem me as that. Does that mean I actually am? No, I think that that's part of the gaslighting campaign, uh, which exists inside of all Western nations to kind of point to people who are saying stuff that I'm saying, which is just descriptive truths and claiming that I'm evil just for saying them out loud. Uh, I think the time is fast coming where the uh, pendulum swinging back the other way and people gravitate more and more towards that message rather than the let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya message. When you talk about a leftist, what does that mm -hmm. mean? I would say that a leftist is, is, is defined by what a conservative is, is not. And so what a conservative is, somebody who wants to uh, not just adhere to tradition, it's not that there can be no progression to tradition, but rather that it, they want whatever the underpinning cultural glue, the binding glue is to not go away, not be eroded, not be destroyed. And so I think anybody who's external to that, who is trying to destroy whatever that glue is, I would largely consider it leftist or progressive. So I would define it in opposite terms. So in, in this particular case, when I say a leftist, I'm talking about somebody who is contrary to right wing conservation policy of culture. So basically a commie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A commie, a socialist scumbag. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I feel, yeah, I feel like your description just gets right to the point. Sure. A freaking commie. <laughs> In all seriousness, how do we push back? Uh, so there is a plan to push back and I can, I'll, let me give you the rough overview. There's a, there is one way we can do this. Let me pull up these stats here. The way that you fight this is through a cross generational reprieve. You need to have kind of your emotional acceptance that your generation is not going to see the end of this and neither is your children's generation and that your job is to just be a monkey wrench. You're just trying to slow the machine down. And the thing that you're trying to slow the machine down for is the birth rates. The birth rate crisis has created a unique opportunity for uh, Christians globally. Christians are the ones having the children and secularists are the ones not having the children. Christians are also the one who are the cultural conservation portion or the right wing, if you will. Due to this and due to the fact that we're breeding and the secularists are not breeding, we have a real chance within the next 100 years, 150 years to re-infiltrate globally all of these same institutions, which took the left 150 years to infiltrate themselves. We can do it in reverse. The way that this is done, as you slow down this machine, the degradation machine, you breed as much as you possibly can. You have as many children as you can, and you instill in them the same values that you have. Leftists will try to steal them. They'll try to steal them through institutions by stealing their mind 
through indoctrination. But as you see the kind of homeschool response, and that's gaining steam all over the world and will continue as a trend for a long, long time, we should try to continue that trend and promote that trend as much as we can. Keep your mind away from the progressive and they can't snatch it. Uh, everything you can do to become an instrument of slowing down the leftist machine, you should do, even if it only is by small, in, uh, seemingly insignificant fractures, because it buys us time to have more children, instill our values, and give them a brand new imperative. And this imperative is you take back the institutions. You outnumber now for the first time the enemy, take back our institutions globally. Get jobs as lawyers, get involved in the arts, get involved in Hollywood making movies, don't shy away from any of these things. Get back into the institutions and take them back from the inside. It's not going to be overnight, and it can't be overnight. It did not take the enemy overnight to infiltrate every institution globally, just like it's it's going to take a long time for us to do the, the same, the opposite way. You have to be prepared for a long war of attrition and understand that this will not end in your lifetime or your children's lifetime, but your children's children have a good shot. That's the way that you win this war. So play the long game. There's no other choice. We've already lost the short game. The hordes are coming. Okay. They have uh, drastically demographically shifted most nations on planet Earth. But the one cohesive glue they have not been able to completely eradicate, nor will they will be able to because of God himself, is Christianity. And since this is true, we really do have a shot. Our cultural values say breed. Whereas the progressive leftist is an anti-natalist, that's their very nature. They're getting themselves snipped, and they're getting themselves tucked, and they're getting themselves to a point where they can't breed. Uh, and if you look at the birth rates, which I have the graph in front of me, if you look at the amount of children Christians have to the amount of children comparison that non-Christians have, it's a drastic difference. And so, yes, we can win. And Christians aren't aborting nearly as much. They don't, they don't hardly do it at all, in fact. In, well, in comparison, same thing with divorces. They get divorced far less. So your children are going to have far better outcomes than most of the secularist kids are as well. They're, in other words, they're going to be in a position to really seize power in the next 75 years. Not your kids, but your kids' kids will be. So start with your kids by instilling these kind of values into them and telling them that that's your plan, that they need to give the same imperative to their children. The weapons that we have are threefold. We have the best arguments, we have the best morality, but we also have the best in the way of physical might. We, the, the, the good Christian right, let's just call it for the sake of this conversation, I think we kind of all know who we're alluding to. You're way tougher than you think, way more resilient. Get outside the major metropolitan areas as they decay and continue to envelop themselves and swallow each other whole. Get out of the major metropolitan areas. Get these land grants out in the middle of the countryside. Don't just do homesteading and don't disassociate yourself from the culture war, but create an insular place where you can train people these same values, teach the next generation these same values. Tell them to do the same. Tell them to do the same. And your time will come. It'll be our own glorious revolution, comrades. Though this revolution will be one of academics and culture, not one of physical fighting and bullets, as that's a revolution that is almost never won anyway. Instead, you just do what God commanded you to. 
and you get married and you breed and you instill God's values. And you almost, if everybody who's listening to this broadcast does that, you can't actually lose. Ultimately, you must win because the enemy's thinking itself out of existence at a faster pace than uh, you are uh, breeding them out of existence. So uh, ultimately, you will win. To be fair, I also do like guns. Yeah, well, I mean, you should always have guns, right? I mean, always. But, <laughs> but probably using them in that mechanism will just get you fucking killed. Um, and it's a bad, and ultimately, it's a, it's a bad plan anyway, right? So um, there is hope. There's great hope, and you, you really can do this. It seems far-fetched until you think about it. Just think about it. Look at the birth rates yourself. Look at the drastic declines which are coming. Uh, Japan is in a whirlwind right now. They have no idea what they're going to do because they're not going to have a Japan in 200 years. It's not going to exist. The Japanese people as an ethnicity are going to go extinct. And they have no clue how to combat that problem. None. Same thing with the Chinese. 500 million. They're projected to lose 500 million out of 1.2 billion. Half their population gone. Not a single shot fired. Just thought out of existence. They've had to radically change their birth program from one child just to try to get the population back up. Communist policies like the one child policy are always disastrous for populations. They seem like they're good on paper because these eggheads tell them that's going to mean less resources, which means more people get fed, which means, and it's all bullshit. Turns out that the more people there are, the more people there are to make food. And the more people there are to make food, the more people there are to drive trucks. And the more people to drive trucks, the easier it is to get food out to the rural areas where people need it the most. Except the more people there are, the less starvation there is. And the academic eggheads told us the exact opposite. They dropped a book called The Population Bomb all over the country of Africa, telling them that they were going to starve to death if they kept having kids. And as it turns out, the eggheads were totally wrong. And it was a counterintuitive uh, propaganda that the antinatalists had. And it took a whole generation and made them half starved. <laughs> it's insanity. So it's like, listen, reject all of this. It's all nonsense. Just stay with the plan. The plan's a good plan. You can't lose. You can't lose. So that's uh, that's what I recommend. How can I follow you? You can find me on YouTube on the one and only Crucible, fastest growing debate channel on YouTube. You can catch tons of debates I have with progressive leftists, leftoid lunatics, transgenders, uh, and uh, crazies of all stripes right there on that channel. You can also find me on Twitter at PaleoChristCon. I uh, hope to see you guys there as well. And you can follow my wife, Rach for Patriarchy on Twitter, and also buy her book, Occult Feminism. I need those royalties desperately for a brand new M16, which I will be treating myself to at her expense. So make sure that you buy that so that the patriarchy can take yet another massive W. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.